0: You're listening to the Uplifting Content Podcast with Ione Butler. Join me every Tuesday to hear conversations with remarkable guests on a wide range of topics. The goal with this podcast is to introduce you to new ideas and techniques that will inspire and uplift you. Today, let's talk about the ultimate bucket list with Ben Nemtin.
1: I think you, you can start looking at your dreams as projects, just like a work project. You can break it down and see the steps getting done. I think a big... Dream seems too overwhelming. But if you start to break it down in manageable little steps, you don't even need to know the full roadmap. That's the mm-hmm. secret. Like, you just need to know the first step and that's all you can do. And then you can do the second step.
0: Hello friends, I hope you're all doing well. Today is going to be another episode from our archives and it couldn't be more well suited. I am on my way back from Burning Man and this episode about the ultimate bucket list I think ties in really nicely. Burning Man was definitely on my bucket list and I'm so glad that I've been able to go and go back. I know it's on a lot of other people's bucket lists too, and I think it's something that you should 100% make happen if you can. Now, my guest today, Ben Nemtin, is the number one New York Times best-selling author of What Do You Want to Do Before You Die, the star of The Buried Life MTV show, an internationally renowned keynote speaker, and co-founder of the full-service production company, Theos. In this episode, we spoke about how The Buried Life came to be and what it is, Five steps to accomplish all the things you want in life, which are, one, decide what's important to you. Two, write it down. Three, talk about it. Four, be creatively persistent. Five, be audacious. We also spoke about how to create audacious goals and how to achieve them, why we have limiting beliefs, and so much more. This is a great episode if you need that little bit of encouragement, a bit of inspiration, kind of want a bit more excitement back in your life you want to set some goals and achieve some remarkable and fabulous fun things, this will definitely get you tuned into that and turned on to that. So without further ado, please enjoy this week's show. Today's awesome guest, Ben Nemtin. How are you, my love?
1: I'm good. Thank you. Oh,
0: thank you so much. Um, we were introduced by a mutual friend, Desiree, a few weeks back. And I just want to thank you for your, we met up and had coffee. And I just, I just was so inspired by everything that you've done. And I went home and I wrote my bucket list and I've already started doing things on there. And so you are, yeah, your, your message is getting out there and it's phenomenal. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, would you just like to tell us your story and a bit about the buried life and what that is?
1: Definitely. So, I guess it started in first year university for me when I was, uh, I guess I just graduated high school. I was just going into university and I, uh, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself to do well in school, to do well in um, academics as well as uh, athletics, right? So, I was on the national rugby team. I was also, um, had an academic scholarship to one of the better universities in, uh, in Canada. And um, so... Anyway, I was going into university, and I was training for the World Cup, and as I was training, I essentially, um, I I started thinking about the, the World Cup games that were going to be coming in France, and I was like, okay, what if I miss a kick? Like, what if I miss an easy kick right in front of the goalpost? What if I blow it on the world stage? And these thoughts would continue to run in my head at night. I wasn't able to sleep, and this inability to sleep sort of slipped me down into a depression where ultimately, I couldn't go to practice, I couldn't go to school, I got dropped from uh, the rugby team i got I had dropped out of school i couldn 't leave my house, and I was totally just incapacitated by this and It was the first time I'd ever experienced anything like it and so I grappled with this for months and i and i didn 't understand what was going on and Finally, I basically through a number of different things started to kind of come out of my fog and one of those things was this decision to surround myself with people that inspired me so i was like i 'm only going to try and surround myself with people that inspire me um you know. Mainly by necessity, because I needed to kind of lift myself up. And so I thought if I could surround myself with people that would lift me up, I'd feel better more mm-hmm. of the time. And so I I chose this this kid that I kind of knew. He, he, he grew up in the neighborhood in Victoria, BC, where I grew up in Canada. And I called him out of the blue, and his name's Johnny. I said, Johnny, let's make a movie, because I'd always wanted to make a movie. And I didn't really know what, but I just thought it'd be really fun to make a movie with my friends. And so he was a filmmaker. He could edit. So he was my into making a movie. And he was like... For sure. Like, I've got another friend, Dave, and I knew Dave, and I called Don, Johnny's older brother, Duncan, and we started talking about, you know, this movie, and we didn't know what it was going to be, but we thought, like, we know we want to make something in the summer. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, there's this serendipitous kind of moment where Johnny gets assigned a poem in English class called The Buried Life. which It's an old English poem, which I'm sure you know, <laughs> uh, which is called, uh, was it, I think it was written in 1852. and Basically speaks to this feeling of feeling buried and not doing the things you really want to do. So we have all these things that we wanna do, but we don't do them because we're buried. We have moments of inspiration and we see the light, so to speak, but ultimately that gets diminished by, you know, kind of the monotony of day-to-day life. And so mm-hmm. um, we thought, okay, well, let's make a list of all of our buried dreams. And this is sort of this exercise where we made this bucket list, but it was, we made a rule that you could, you had to pretend you could do anything when you mm-hmm. made this bucket list. So mm-hmm. if you had a hundred million dollars in the bank, if you were a superhero, what would you do? And so we mm-hmm. thought, well, we'd go to space, We make our own TV show. We'd write a number one New York Times bestseller. We'd pay off our parents' mortgage. We'd grow a mustache. We'd have Morgan Freeman read us a bedtime story. You know, we'd like, we do all these things. And then we thought, okay, if we're gonna do all these things on our list, let's help other people do the things they wanna do on their list. So we crossed something off our list. We helped someone else do something they wanna do. And this was a, uh, supposed to be a two week road trip. So we scrounged together, you know, we cold call companies, pretend we had a production company Got a juice company to pay for our gas. We borrowed skateboards from a skateboard company to give away on the road. We bought an RV. We bought a camera on eBay. We threw theme parties to raise money for the tour, mm-hmm. and we lied to our bosses at the time, you know, <laughs> saying I said I had a wedding to go to. I said I had an Indian wedding. There's a long I two Indian weddings It was going to last two weeks, <laughs> and so we took two weeks off before we went back to university in this. 1977 dodge rv and uh not knowing how we would cross anything off or help anybody but we just knew that we were going to try and uh we sort of would take the take take this road trip and we'd ask people on the road what do you want to do before you die that was our question that we asked ourselves and asked people and if we could help them do that thing then we would and so what happened next was this sort of mix of magic and luck where people heard about our list and they wanted to help so strangers would reach out to us and say hey i saw you want to ride a bull Like I can, my friend owns a bull ranch. I can help you. Or I heard you want to make a toast to stranger's wedding. My friend's getting married. I'm the best man. I can get you in. Or, you know, I heard you want to go to space. You know, my friend works for NASA. He used to be an astronaut. You should talk with him. You know, these crazy connections where Mm -hmm. ultimately we started crossing things off that we never thought we we could. And we started getting these emails from people saying, hey, I've always dreamed of playing the bagpipes. (laughs) Can you help me? Like, yeah, here's like some of the Teaches you how to play the bad guys. Or, I've always wanted to sing a duet with Celine Dion. She's my hero. Did you
0: I'm Did obviously. you hook someone up with that?
1: No, we, we it was a lot. Of, we actually got a lot of Michael Bublé back in the day because he's in Canada. He's Canadian. Everyone wanted to meet Michael Bublé.
0: Did you hook anyone up with Bublé?
1: I met Bublé, and I kept, I told him that we had a bunch of people. I was like, I think it gets us a lot, but <laughs> we uh, we were able to help like. Um we like reconnected a father and son after 17 years. We helped four friends that hadn't seen each other in forty years, reconnected their childhood, yeah. like swimming hole they used to meet up with. Um they well, we used to play um during the summers when they were young and it was like the best times of their lives. Oh. We're still connected. We we helped a, a kid get his dad a home. We helped um, you know, a, a guy get a truck so he could save his business and, and all this stuff was really not us helping them right? It was just us helping other people help them. So we would just be the facilitators to help these things. So this two-week road trip that was supposed to be one and done, make a little movie, and then we're going back to school, um, kind of catapulted us into this adventure that lasted now 12, 13 years. (laughs) We just never stopped. (laughs) So, uh, So we've been doing it for, yeah, years. And then we sort of crossed off all these things that we never thought we could, like make a TV show. We got number one New York Times for four guys that barely passed English. (laughs) One guy that didn't pass English, (laughs) 11. (laughs) Um, And we, um, you know, we helped a bunch of people and and ultimately sort of realized, wow, you can really do anything you want. So that was this big realization. And over time, kind of, after looking at things that we had crossed off sort of saw patterns of things we did again and again mm-hmm. so I sort of learned like okay here's some things we can actually you know pass on to other people that are trying to do this thing that they've always wanted to but are too afraid or what were um, those patterns
0: that you, can... that you learned
1: um so there. <laughs> Sorry, I, I keep seeing myself in the video. It keeps freaking me out. So I'm just I normally pin. like
0: I normally put my uh, phone over my face because I just stare at myself <laughs> all the time.
1: <laughs> I'm like, it's nice. I'm just talking to myself.
0: <laughs> you can't uh, see me. I'm here too. Yeah, I
1: know. I see you now. I just pinned you, so you're much better looking than me. So
0: <laughs> okay, got uh-huh. it.
1: So the the things that we've kind of learned, um, I mean, I, I've learned a lot, but the the steps, the actionable sort of takeaway, which could be seen as these steps to making the impossible possible or the steps to making, crossing anything off your bucket list Mm -hmm. um, are sort of as follows. Like I think, you know, from a top level, the first is to think about what's important. So even before you begin, you Mm -hmm. need to make sure that you're actually doing something that you really want. So -hmm. you need to think about what's important to you and not your friends or your family or your coworkers or, what you think you should do but you really need to stop and and, mm-hmm. and check into into your feeling what your gut and your heart is is telling your intuition and and um and if it scares you that's okay that's good mm-hmm. you know if people say you're crazy that's better but you but you we move so quickly and that's how your dreams you know for lack of a better word get buried mm-hmm. is the day-to-day sweeps you up, and it's, it's normal. So um, Ferris Bueller has a good quote. He says, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So, uh, you know, there's all these themes. I mean, the Buried Life poem was written 150 years ago, and he was talking about it. You know, Ferris Bueller was a movie from the 80s. He was thinking about it. You can name, you know, a myriad of different examples of people talking about getting swept up by mm-hmm. life and forgetting what you really want to do or living someone else's life. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So first and foremost, you got to think about what's important. The second.
0: I'm writing all of these down, by the way, in the comments. Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. And so the second is, as you say, write it down, is write it down.
0: Yeah. Right. You have
1: to write down your goals. Such a small, seemingly small thing, but so powerful. So you have a 37 to 45, 40% higher chance of achieving your goals just by writing it down. Um, and what it does is you're taking an idea and you're making it real. So you're taking something that's intangible and you're making it tangible. Um, and you're effectively breathing life into your dreams. You're mm-hmm. building a foundation for them to grow. And you have something that's, uh, that's really real. And I think you, you can start looking at your dreams as projects, just like a work project. You can break it down and see the steps getting done. I think a big dream seems too overwhelming. But if you start to break it down in manageable little steps, you don't even need to know the full roadmap. That's the secret. Like, you just need to know the first step, and that's all you can do. And then you can do the second step. So writing it down is a very simple first step. A very simple second step is, uh, is talk about it. Because- Okay,
0: this three or two, because we're trying to keep track here now. So this okay. is the third step, okay. but
1: it's the second actionable step. So the first actual step is to think about what's important.
0: Got it, okay. We'll call it number
1: one. The second step is to write it down. Uh, write it down. The third step is to talk, talk about it. it. Okay. And uh, the simple fact is that you, if you don't talk about it, no one can help you.
0: And this is an interesting thing because I've heard you say this before and I read somewhere um, that by talking about your goal, it actually s- it reduces your chances because you're, you're, you're kind of giving yourself permission to make it be done already. However, what I've taken from that is so what they're saying is when you talk about something, you kind of ease off yourself because it's like, I'm talking about it now, so I'm kind of just going to sit back because I'm talking about doing it. But what I think you're saying is not just I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. It's I'd like to do this. How can I get there? Or do you know somebody that's in this avenue? Or you know, do you know anyone that's done this? Or what do you think about my idea? Do you know what I mean? I think that's what yeah. you mean, which is very so, different to just yeah, saying, absolutely. I've got a big dream, and then just leaving it there.
1: Right, and just talking about it all day but not doing anything. So. Mm-hmm. The important distinction is that you're building accountability. So whatever you're Mm -hmm. doing to talk, however you're talking about it, the reason you're talking about it is to create accountability because accountability is the only thing that's going to drive you forward. So Mm -hmm. there's many different levels of accountability and there's many different ways you can go about that. There's, you know, just telling your friends that you care about, that you want to do this thing. That's a low low level of accountability because you know the next time you see them, they're going to say, oh, how's that thing doing? And you're gonna have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. There's another level of accountability, which is sharing it socially where more people can hear it. Cause you know that then they are gonna know about it and you're gonna think about it. Like when I posted my New Year's resolutions on Instagram, like I thought about that stuff all the time. I was like, wow, I didn't think I would think about it that much, but it actually had an impact on me in how I sort of like recalled these things that I said I was gonna do. Now, though, the more imp- sort of impactful and powerful way to do it is to do it with more intention, which is what you were talking about, which is like being specific about your outreach. So being very intentional. So if you want to write a book, it's talking with your friends and, hey, I want to write a book. Do you know an author that I might be able to be connected with?
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: guarantee in your network, you will find someone that has written a book or knows right. an author.
0: And that's exactly that's exactly what happened with um, I had the seed planted by a friend of making a book, and so I contacted everybody who I've interviewed for this who has a book, mm-hmm. and then got connected to a literary agent from somebody that I interviewed. So it's kind of going out there and just finding those direct people that can help and offer advice and. Suggest. Yeah,
1: so it's like it's really about like getting over. Some people have a difficult time asking for help
0: mm-hmm. they're
1: afraid of what other people might think
0: mm-hmm.
1: about their. Nearest and dearest, biggest, inter, you know their goal, their dream. Mm. They're they're they may be afraid that if they fail, what other people will think, mm-hmm. um, or what it will mean to them, uh, how they'll look, and you know. I mean, we can have a whole discussion on failure because it's like I, I think there's so much great great stuff that comes out of failure, and that the, the worst kind of failure is not doing it or waiting for the right time because you. Then you fail and you don't learn anything. Right. You know, by by failing and trying, you learn something and what you learn is far greater than any potential hit to your reputation. You know, I say potential because we you know, that's arguable.
0: Right. And it's, and it's all your perspective of it. Like, you know, if you massively fail at some something, it's, it's whether you decide to see that as something that is the worst thing that can happen to you or an opportunity for you to grow and learn from it. Other people can give you whatever opinion they want. But it, for me, I think that I'm only ever upset by things that I believe to be true. And we have that choice to decide, is this failure, meaning that there's something wrong with us or that we were brave enough to take a risk and take it, take a chance and try and grow and learn from something. Two different ways that you can see it. And so it's up to us how we perceive ourselves in those situations, so yeah.
1: Yeah, and ultimately, I think that when, you know, why the, those things are usually difficult because you're challenging yourself and you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. Um, but by doing that, you are forcing yourself to grow. And by, mm-hmm. at the very least, you learn something about yourself, you grow. But I usually find that even if, it, if it's not the outcome that I thought it was going to be, something comes out of it that is positive just by putting yourself in that position. Yeah. um and you know i think that that's ultimately how you <laughs> can force yourself to evolve is by putting yourself in those uncomfortable positions you know for instance like i'm doing a commencement address at university of utah and it's a scary thing like it's going to be 10,000 people i've never done you know something quite like this before is the same thing as my tedx talk like again i was terrified to do that but that's why i knew i needed to do it because Nothing else was going to force me to, like, go there and prepare like that and, you know, put the time in. And so it's sort of a – it's this, like, internal thing with me now where something comes up. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, (laughs) fuck, I know. That's why I need to do it. (laughs) And then I'm like, ultimately, I know that I have to do it. And so – and I'm always happy I did afterwards. But in the the moment, in the lead up – so but it, i think it's ultimately because i know that i can at the end of the day and that's the most important thing i think is that you 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 can you understand really and internalize that feeling that okay i know i can do this or i can do whatever i put my mind to because i'm the only person that sells myself and from there you can kind of have a laugh and do it you
0: know? yeah
1: so but Anyways, I got I got way off track. So that That's was okay. the third to talk about. So we have think about what's important. Write right down now. your dreams. Talk about your dreams. Um, the fourth is creative persistence. Um, now persistence is you've heard it a lot, but I think that what I take from persist, persistence is no doesn't always mean no. Sometimes it means not now. And when you're mm-hmm. being persistent. There's the type of persistence that very much sorry calls coming in very much um, annoys people yeah. when you're banging your head against someone's door mm-hmm. asking for the same thing sending the same email again and again and again
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that type of persistence doesn't
0: work. I like I like the term politely persistent.
1: Politely persistent, yeah, mm-hmm. and so that's a that's a very great way of saying what I'm saying, which is creative persistence. So my version of persistence is I think people on the other side respect originality and creativity.
0: Yeah. Your so sounds what, more fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it there, I do have some fun examples, which is
0: <laughs> yeah, one, we him.
1: wanted to <laughs> <I think that laughs> know, but so d- we did a show on MTV and uh, by doing the show, we knew we had to be loud. We we're it on a, TV. So we had to do big, and the, and the format was one thing on our list, one thing on someone else's list. So the one thing on our list was always a big list item, like trying to play basketball with President Obama, streak a field and get away. Uh, another one was uh, break into the Playboy Mansion. And the most outrageous idea to get in was to make a cake that looks like it belonged at the, at the party, so decorated like the party, but hide two of our friends in it dressed up like oompa loompas because it was an oompa loompa it was a willy wonka theme party and deliver it to the playboy mansion at 5 p.m and leave them in it for six hours and then when the party started they could jump out and no one would notice so it was like this was the most this was the stupidest idea i would ever heard of i was like there's no way it's gonna work and i had an idea of i was like because when i was traveling in europe people kind of thought i looked like cristiano ronaldo so people would be like are you related to cristiano ronaldo and i was like I can pretend I'm Cristiano Ronaldo. So we created this whole like PR fake website and said I was coming from Europe for the party. That didn't work. <laughs> the point is, this other idea... You could it was have known the,
0: that you were his like nephew, like cousin or something.
1: Oh, uh, they, be- they actually person. like paparazzi were there and everyone believed it, but they were the fire marshal had shut it down.
0: <laughs> Wait, this this was at the Playboy Mansion party. They wouldn't let you in. Yes, okay. yes.
1: But then my friend that were hiding in the cake, <laughs> we delivered it. In a, in a Mack truck that we rented with paperwork that we had created. <laughs> and my friend delivered it at 5 p.m. and we pushed it up with two guys in it. And he didn't know where they were. They had bottles to pee in. They had like phones. We couldn't get a hold of them. And they, it was like Shawshank Redemption. They Going by every 20 minutes and they're like, oh, that's the shuttle. And then at 12, they just popped out and ran to the party and they got in the party.
0: Wait, did the cake up. get pushed into the party, or did they just, the like... The cake
1: break? was up the back driveway
0: uh-huh.
1: into the, um, like, sort of off of the party. So people were taking... I've seen people that have photos with them posing with the cake that I yeah. know my two friends were inside. <laughs> so people were like, yeah. So we got in, and then Snoop Dogg was performing. And so my friend Dave jumped right up on stage with Snoop Dogg, because he's like, I got two minutes before I get kicked out. And <laughs> They had these little cameras they were filming with. And he's up on stage and then he sees security and security kind of like gives him the nod. And they, security thought they were working the party because they were dressed up like Oompa Loompas. They were just bigger than the other <laughs> small people Oompa Loompas. So they spent the whole night there, had a great time, did cannonballs into the grotto with everyone cheering Oompa <laughs> Anyways... I'm getting very off track here. But my point is... That's
0: very creative. That's no, very creative. Completely on track. That was the point. Completely on track.
1: And also,
0: <laughs>
1: the point really is, when we started making the, the episode, we realized, because we'd never made TV before, that you had to clear all of the locations or you can't show it on TV. So we went to Playboy's PR and we said, hey, we broke into Hugh Hefner's house. <laughs> filmed a great episode. Can we air it? And they're like, absolutely not. You can't. And then we went to the VP, and he said, no. And MTV said, you got to film a new episode. And we said, we can't film a new episode. This is the best thing we've ever done. <laughs> so, we have to, and we wrote a handwritten letter to Hugh Hefner. And God we, bless so. God bless him. Mailed it to his house, because we knew where he lived. <laughs> and we the DVD. And we heard back, and he said, you can air the episode. Just know I'm not very pleased with you boys. <laughs> they gave us a scolding. I, but... I have to think that the reason why he accepted it, you know, I'm sure one he saw it.: Because he had
0: to have admired it in some way. He
1: had to admire the audacity and the creativity at which yeah. we, you know, went about doing this. But also the fact that it actually worked blew my mind because I thought this is the stupidest, most outrageous <laughs> idea. You're not going to sneak two people in a cake and have me <laughs> sit there for six hours dressed up as like Umba Loobas.
0: It worked in Troy.
1: Exactly, the Trojan, <laughs> yes, exactly. We call it was called the Trojan cake. And so, but it did work because it was so outrageous and creative and audacious. We took
0: a chance.
1: And we took a chance. And so it, it worked. And then Hugh Hefner ultimately, um, you know, he respected the creativity. And I think that when you are trying to, I know a lot of times, unfortunately, when you're going towards your goal, It's getting to someone. It's asking someone the right person for a favor. It's getting the right opportunity in front of someone. Um, And, you know, I find that those people get requests all day. All day people are asking them for stuff. So you just need to be respectful. Yeah. You know, polite. Be persistent, but be creative in how you're going about your request you know, how you're um, approaching the situation. Because ultimately that originality gets you respect and uh, you stand out. So it gets you notice. it gets you respect because you put thought into it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so that creative persistence really has, has, that's something we go back to again and again. I mean, that's how we ended up playing basketball with the president, you know, that's how, we ended up getting number one in the New York Times. Uh, I, I think, so you think about like success. Success is equal parts persistence and product. You can have a great product, but it doesn't mean you're going to succeed. Yeah. You have to increase your odds of success with persistence. And that's just, it's just a numbers game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's trying again and again and again. And, and that's how you increase your odds of success. So... The fourth is creative persistence. Mm-hmm. The fifth, which I touched on a little bit on the last story, is being audacious. Audacious goals are extremely powerful because 99% of people don't believe they can do great things, so they shoot for mediocre, mediocre goals.
0: Yeah. So the
1: level of competition is highest for mediocre goals. Right. So if they shoot for unrealistic goals, there's less competition. Mm. You have a higher chance of getting it done. So Tim Ferriss says that. So I'll, I'll tell you Tim Ferriss says that after I told you that so you thought I was smart for a second.
0: <laughs> and then I'll
1: say, that was Tim Ferriss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, it's a very kind of, I like it because it's almost like an aha. You have an aha moment when you're like, oh, I never thought about that. Mm. And think about too, how an audacious goal fuels you. Right? So you've got, you have a, a big goal that gets you up in the morning. That motivates you every day to keep going versus you know if your goal was more mundane it's hard to have that motivate you really the motivation would be more like the pay or yeah. the time off or whatever but a motivate an audacious goal motivates you and it galvanizes the right people around your side for support right so think about elon musk so he's doing probably the most audacious things on the planet. Oh yeah. The most brilliant people wanna work for him,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Everybody supports this huge mission of colonizing Mars or the Hyperloop or you know, fully electric fleet of cars and, um, and they want to work for him. So you know, he's getting the best engineers, he's getting the best minds, he's getting the best people, just because he's, he's made this big goal. Another example is um, XPRIZE. The guy that started XPRIZE. What is that? So Prize. it was this $10 million prize mm-hmm. to the first non-governmental company that sent two people to space, I think in two weeks, something like that, in a week or two weeks or something like that. So uh, a non-
0: really dangerous.
1: Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> so it took years, but the, the amazing thing was he announced this X-Prize. He's like, I'm going to give $10 million to- Who's he, Elon Musk? No, no, it was, uh, uh, we'll have to Google it. Okay. I forget his name.
0: I'll search for it. Yeah, you tell the story. Yeah,
1: look for the founder of X-Prize. And so he says, I'm going to give $10 million to, you know, anyone that's not working for the government, a non-governmental- Peter, Peter-, Peter Diamandis. Diamandis. Peter Diamandis. And, um, mm-hmm. and so he announced this and everyone went nuts,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he, had it, he didn't have the $10 million.
0: <laughs>
1: but he got it once he announced it, because everyone was like, we'll give you money for this. Yeah. And then he raised the money you know, for the prize after he had announced it.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: pretty audacious thing to do, pretty audacious goal. But as soon as he talked about it, as I said in number three, talk about it, people you know, will show up in the most unexpected ways. People wanted to support this goal that was so outrageous and so inspiring
0: mm-hmm.
1: that they wanted to get involved. And he was—he knew that this was going to happen, and he raised the—he t- raised the money for the prize. And then someone did it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Um, so
0: someone, wait, what do you mean by someone sent? They—they they sent two people into space in two weeks. What does that mean?
1: So it was like two different, um, like flights into space and i'm i may be wrong here but it may have to be the same aircraft Mm -hmm. like the same uh rocket or and so it was either two people in a certain amount of time uh that went up in different times or went on the same craft right 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 so so basically like two different just call it two different
0: trips right In a certain amount of time and some people someone did it
1: yeah we did it yeah so um Audacious goals are great.
0: Here's the thing with audacious goals, like I'm all for it. And I've got going into space on my bucket list and all sorts of stuff. But I think if people don't believe it, um, like how do you, like where, where do you kind of cultivate that belief um, Cause you know, there's, there's the whole positive thinking stuff where people be like, you know, I'm rich or like, I'm, they don't really, there's not the belief behind it. And so yeah. saying it, that's not enough. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any advice from people on really just ge- generating that, that belief that, that all of these things are possible when they, when they are so outrageous?
1: Yeah. So I'm thinking about how I came to the belief Of understanding that and that was through doing it which was smaller steps that led up to the bigger things right and um you know i'll preface this with i think an important distinction that i talk about audacious goals but i'm not saying that big goals are better than small goals Mm -hmm. or that because your goals aren't audacious or big they're any less important than those big goals Mm -hmm. because what I'm what I'm really saying is number one is like what's important to you. So if what's important to you is to be to call your mom once a month. Mm -hmm. Build a relationship with her. And that's what you feel is the most important thing for you right now. Mm -hmm. Reconnect with your mom. Call her once a month. And you never usually call her so I'm gonna do this. That seems like a small thing, but That's the most important thing for you. And that is what you should focus on. At the end of the day, that's what a bucket list is. It's the most important things to you in your life. So that's why it's important to think about it. What I'm saying is, if you do want to do a big thing, you can do it. Mm -hmm. So like, if one of those things on the list is go to space or write a book or, you know, name it, that you you can do it. And these are the steps to do it. Write it down, talk about it you know, be creatively persistent, keep that audacious goal, um, and, and like, don't underestimate yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and then if you don't think that you can do an audacious goal, um, I think that's totally, I think that that's, like, pushing, just pushing yourself little by little to start to do things that are out of your comfort zone, you know, and do things that you feel like are, going to put you in a position where you can learn and progress and slowly you know make step towards whatever that might be
0: yeah because I imagine I imagine with you guys you know first of all did you in the beginning think that everything did you think that everything was possible um in question but then I can imagine as you started to do these things it gives you more confidence to do the bigger things and to do more and the more that you have success the more you kind of realize so yeah. i think for anyone that is maybe doubting a massively audacious one start with things that you can do and then once you've proven to yourself i can do i can do i can do you build up is that kind of what happens yes. with you guys
1: exactly like so we never thought yeah. that we could i mean we initially put things on the list um as a joke you know these big things we put on because we had made it uh a commitment that we were going to pretend that we could do anything so but i never thought we could mm-hmm. do them. and the things in the beginning that were impossible um you know were things like open the six o'clock news you know i never thought that was possible <laughs> to do that you know um mm-hmm. like things like make the front page of our local newspaper you know things like be a bull, you know, be a knight for a day. I don't, you know, like things that were, um, but as you, I mean, you basically said it, like, as we started to go, we started to realize, wow, there's actually no limit to what we can do. So why don't we push it a bit more and more? Mm-hmm. And then finally getting to playing basketball with the president at the White House was sort of this, you know, crazy moment where we also had a call with the Oprah producers about being on Oprah. And we're like, what is going on? <laughs> like, this is, this is crazy. Yeah. And so the, you know, just by thinking about like this, this whole buried life was supposed to be two weeks, but it started to continue to roll and go and go and go um, was really a lot of it was us starting just to slowly understand like, wow, where can we go with this? Like, yeah. how far is this? rabbit hole go and um ultimately that is i think the most important is like this kind of deep understanding through doing that you can, can actually do it um, yeah. and you can help that by like being around people that are doing those types of things you can help mm-hmm. that by but it does it does it does start with small steps yeah you know and smaller List items just so you start to really, you know, that takes time. That kind of belief in yourself and also just these these bigger ideas. um so and, if,
0: yeah. sorry, if you had to pick like one, like the ultimate one, what what would it have, what would it be for? If you could have only done one of these things, or if you could live in one of them again, what would what would be the ultimate?
1: Um, I think I, I said it, I've said it uh, once or twice, but I think playing basketball with President Obama at the White House was because of the way it happened and the build-up was so um
0: like a long time coming yeah of it it,
1: it was it was really a long time coming we tried and we failed and we tried and we failed and we tried and we failed we drove our we had this old purple transit bus that we drove to dc we (laughs) asked people on the streets if they knew anyone in the white house we campaigned and lobbied in DC meeting people telling them why we wanted to play basketball with the president and slowly <laughs> get our way up the food chain and at the on Capitol Hill got to secretary of transportation he made a call to the white house we got an official rejection <laughs> our first official rejection in writing then we found that the pers- that the president had this personal aide Reggie Love who played for Duke who all who set up all the games at the uh-huh. In, in in Washington with the president, so he would sent out a text to senior officials, and we heard he worked at the YMCA every morning at five thirty. So I would go to the YMCA every morning at five thirty looking for him. I didn't find him. Found the Secretary of Treasury, Followed him into the pool in my boxers. <laughs> saw Secret Service watching me. Ended up leaving. Finally got a hold of Reggie Love. He was like, "I love this. Like, I think I can make this happen." I got to run it through the press team. We heard back from him two weeks. He said, I talked with the press team. Not going to happen. Aww. And then we were devastated. He said, well, if you're ever in D.C., let me know. I'll show you the White House basketball courts. So we went back to D.C. for something else, not knowing if Reggie was even going to answer our emails. He got back to us. He said, swing by the White House. And so we went by. And while he was showing us the courts, we thought the president wasn't in town. And he surprised us on the basketball courts.
0: What? So they yeah. surprised you. Yes. Dude, that's epic.
1: Yeah.
0: What were you like? You must have just been giddy as hell.
1: Oh, we, yeah. We totally <laughs> lost it. We were like, this is how, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. It was banana. There's a White House photographer there, and we happened to be filming at that moment because we were filming. I was filming Johnny call our friends back home. Uh-huh. Like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, not much. We're just, Hanging out at the White House playing basketball <laughs> just to get their reaction. And, uh, so, and, then
0: he come, and then he showed up, Obama turned out. Turned out. Yeah,
1: and then, so we were filming, so we had this really amazing clip of us that we're going to put use in the documentary, but we haven't been able to post. Um,
0: you haven't so, posted it yet?
1: No, we we're not allowed to. We weren't no. allowed to post it. Yeah, it was like they asked us not to post it, and then we've, we just got permission to use it in the, the documentary.
0: Film. And when's that coming out?
1: Um. The plan is to have it come out next year, yeah. We're still working on number 100, Go to Space, but I think that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just about finished, you know? It's, like a, it's yeah. been a great, we've been filming from day one, obviously, because that was the goal was to make a movie. So we just filmed the whole way. And um, it's, uh, it's a really cool, you know, decade long story of us sort of slowly coming to this realization that we just talked about that, you know, anyone can do anything.
0: Yes. Um, just to sort of wrap up with, because I mean, and that's, that's, I, I, I want people to, to know that. And, and one of the things I was going to ask you is like, why do you think we have such limiting beliefs about what we're capable of? Cause I know, I think it was I, I, about 16. I kind of realized that what I put my mind to, I could do. And, and it started with driving. Like I failed my driving test three times. I was like, I'm never going to pass my driving test. And I was like, there's going to come a day where you'll be driving for 20 years. And you'll pass and then you'll forget about all the hard times that it took like this period. And then it was getting into drama school was another thing. I was like, yes, I did it. And then it was getting my green card for the States. And I was like, and my visas and the green card and like, all oh, that type of stuff. Like the things that I put my mind to, I can do. And yet there are a lot of people um, that just don't. And, um, and I kind of wonder why that is, is that, is that our school system, is that like the world around us for me with uplifting content, and that's the purpose of uplifting content to, to to kind of plant those seeds and be that reminder. Like, what do you think that is?
1: Well, I think that, you know, when we're young, when we're really young and people ask us what we want to do when we grow up Mm. and they say, what do you want to, what do you want to be when you grow up? And kids say, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be an actor. I want to be a writer. I want to be a cat. (laughs) You know, (laughs) It's anything, you know, you can, yeah people they just sort of dream big and but then what happens is over time people start telling you no yeah you know, well you can't really be a cat because you know you're human you know <laughs> you can't you know it it's kind of hard for girls to be astronauts and what you might want to think about is like working for your dad because that's kind of like a safe mm. bet and uh you know maybe one day you can take over the company and then like that would be amazing and you know and then People being like, well, you know, it's actually like really hard to be an actor and the chances are, you know, and this is the nice way of saying it. Most people will be like, you can't be. Dad will say, you're not being an actor. You know, you're going to do your MBA. or So, but the point is that like you lose this naivete, mm-hmm. which I think is so important to hang on to. Because for us, we were just young and dumb enough and broke enough to go for it. We didn't know any better.
0: People <laughs> yeah. hadn't told us out. no enough.
1: We didn't care what other people thought. People And we and we, and we, just learned, we, just stumbled upon this thing early on where we hadn't lost this kind of naivete or this usefulness or this kind of, um, you know, this POV that, that, that allowed us to just say, we're just going to do it. We, yeah. And so I think that you just get beaten down starting from when you're like, you know, starting grade school where people start to put you in a box yeah, and start you yeah. to tell you what you can and can't do. And mm. over time, it's just like you just start to believe them because mm-hmm. so many people, you have no real reason to not believe them because they're older than you and you know this is the way things are done. Or, and yeah. so uh, unless you stumble into realizing like, oh my God, I gotta. I can actually do this, or you know, like you said with your driving test and with the green car. Like these little things that you start to really internalize to 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 to, to mean something to you. You might just get hurt along this path, mm-hmm. and um, and, and it's just it's just nailed into you that okay, this is what you're supposed to do.
0: Right. And I really just
1: feel like it's it comes from people telling you no.
0: Yeah. And that,
1: yeah. And, and that comes along with like this is this is risky. Uh, but it's just like, it's not the truth, you know, like, and the
0: sad I, I, thing is it's coming from a place of like, they're trying to do their, they're trying to help. Yeah. They're trying to help. They're trying to do the best for you. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but you're right. It's not true and being safe isn't the best way to live a life. So
1: yeah. And it's just like, at the end of the day, it's really a, you know, Steve Jobs talks about this in his Stanford commencement. Um, you know, it's like following, you've heard it before, but it's following your heart and your intuition right? Because somehow they already know what you want to be. Yeah. Um, And you need to block out the noise, Yeah, whatever that noise might be. You just have to be able to block that out and somehow tap into what that is. And if you're having trouble like feeling and figuring out what that thing is, what you're passionate about, you know, there's, there's ways you can try and like feel what it is. So instead of thinking about it, feeling what excites you, you know, what's that Mm -hmm. feeling that gets you butterflies in your stomach when you think about like speaking in front of people or traveling or Mm -hmm. doing, working with, you know, these types of people. Um, Another one that I just saw Jason Silva speak in LA and he was talking about make a list of things you're curious about, you know, and, and look for these things that overlap that you're curious about. Like where, where, where are these sort of this Venn diagram of, things that you're curious about that tend to clump together and you can
0: find your purpose
1: to find your purpose right yeah it's like saying turn your passion to your purpose but like uh i think you can actually like chip away at what your per your passions are by thinking not even think yeah thinking about what you're curious about or what excites you that's sort of like a even easier place to start it feels less like you're trying to solve the world's problems with what's my passion
0: yeah 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 i like that um Um, what what is the book about? Cause we're uh, giving away one of those so that people can enter the sign up is in the comments below. And what is the book about?
1: The book is, so the book's actually being re-released next month, which is, which I'm really excited about. Um, and it is, we tell our story and really like what a lot of what the takeaway is that I think, um, well, you know, we just, we just talked about, but the bulk of it is we got, Triggered by something in the beginning that made us believe that anything was possible. Mm. So for me, it was I a friend of mine who started a clothing line out of college, took out a loan, did it, and I was like, wow, like that's a really cool clothing line. Like you didn't have experience in fashion. How did you do that? Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to get involved and maybe start thinking, like, wow, if he did that, like what can I do? So we were all triggered by different things. And so we wanted to create a book that hopefully had a lot of trigger points that mm-hmm. could trigger a bunch of people in different ways. And so we asked our community for their, their dreams, their list items. And we chose out, out of thousands, our favorites that spoke to us in some way, made us feel something, whether it was like some sort of emotion or we laughed or we cried or you made us think. And so it's these dreams that we then give to artists to bring to life in different ways. And so it's uh, it's a collection of these dreams that are brought to life through art and quotes that, you know, I think have triggered us in, in different ways. Words of wisdom, um, and then you know, our listener, our little story. So, it's uh, yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool little it's a cool book. I think
0: awesome. And somebody's gonna get that. I guess the updated version would be cool if possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah fantastic amazing and so well thank you ben you just like i love talking to you i really loved meeting you the other day and you've just kind of got me so motivated and focused and i know you're doing it to thousands of people and where can everyone find more information about you
1: just uh so my website is benempton.com um it's kind of a weird last name n-e-m-t-i-n
0: where is it from what does it mean
1: uh I believe that it's so Russian, Romanian. This is my dad's side. It was like shortened when my grandmother came to Canada. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, Nempton. And then, um, yeah, all the socials are just at Ben Nempton. So, pretty simple. And, uh, yeah, stay in touch. And thank you so much for having me. This is really fun.
0: My pleasure. It's always awesome talking to you. We'll do it again soon. Yeah. Um, Guys, lovely to see you all. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll be back on Thursday at 10 a.m. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I'll be back next week with an update about my experiences at Burning Man and a brand new interview for you. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review so that more people can find it. And to make sure you never miss a beat, subscribe to our weekly dose of uplifting content, which is an email from me about the best of uplifting content from that week, be it giveaways, videos, interviews, all the good stuff. And as a bonus, when you subscribe, you get access to the Uplifting Content Summit for free. The Uplifting Content Summit was an interview series with some fantastic guests, including Jay Shetty, Christine Hassler, Alexi Panos, Preston Smiles, Kyle Cease, Peter Kelly, Jenna Phillips-Ballard, and many more about how to stay uplifted. So if you'd like some tips and advice from some of the best thought leaders, authors, coaches out there, be sure to subscribe to my email update and get access to this summit for free. The link to sign up is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and until next time, take care. Bye.